0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Welcome back to the All American Brit podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny McEwan. 2020 Olympic Games are well underway and I want to start by saying that I love the Olympics. I've shared here on this podcast many times that my biggest influence in watching sport growing up was supporting the England national football team in World Cups and and Euros every other summer. And there's something about the stage of international competition that really draws me in and I've always loved watching the Olympics. And so now, after some delay, it's great to have the Olympics back on our screens. Of course, Tokyo was announced to be the host city for the 2020 Olympics, and now, one year later, it's still the 2020 Olympics from Tokyo. There are so many storylines that come from an Olympic Games, but I just wanted to touch on a few that have caught my attention since the start of the Games. As most things have within the last year, the Games have been partially defined by this global pandemic. And there's part of me that can't help but think how the Games would have been different if the Games were held last summer. With the nature of the Olympics being held every four years, athletes whose major event is the Olympics had to reprepare and re-evaluate themselves in such unique ways with this one year delay. When I think about golfers or basketball players who compete week in week out during their regular seasons, the intensity of competition is always upon these big stars at many times during the year. But when it comes to the athletes whose Olympics is the biggest stage for their sport, I really felt for the athletes who had to deal with this delay, particularly the gymnasts. When the Olympics was announced that they'd be cancelling, I remember Simone Biles, legendary female US gymnast, the call of the goat of gymnastics. She said how this just throws everything into flux for her and that she was worried she wouldn't be able to compete in Tokyo. And even outside of just the idea of am I going to compete or not, taking away competition from athletes for a year is going to change the way that they ultimately compete when they get back to the big stage. And I can't help but wonder if the games were held last summer, would their level of competition or intensity be any different? Is the delay going to make for even more intense competition? And they're so excited to be a part of it because it's actually happening that there's more on the line, there's more nerves on the line. I think this delay is an unavoidable factor in this year's games. Simone is a huge star in the world of gymnastics, and I know, like everyone hoped, that she would compete in the Tokyo Olympics. Unfortunately, this morning there is a bit of breaking news around Simone Biles. She sustained an injury and will not be competing in the team event this evening. So, a bit of breaking news here on the podcast, and definitely not the news that we wanted to hear when it comes to Simone Biles. Her whole Olympic Games now is thrown into flux, and we'll have to wait and see if Simone does hit the mat and hit the apparatuses in the gymnastics events this year. But moving away from the cancellation, the postponement, ignore the fact that there aren't any fans in the stands and how in addition to all their normal gear all the athletes are wearing masks. I'm not sure quite why I do this, maybe I'm not alone, but I can't help but notice all the different mask styles. The Chinese team have these masks with um, with their flag on it and the Olympic rings and honestly it's just cool, it's just a cool mask, I've got mask envy. I've got no reason to sport the Olympic rings on anything I wear, but I'd be up for wearing a mask with the Olympic rings on it. I don't know why. There's also this interesting balancing act that the swimmers have to go through with masking up because they've got the goggles going on, they've got the swim caps, but then most of them tuck their ears in the swim caps. So then they've got to figure out some new way to keep the covering on. I don't don't know. The, the, The strange things I notice. Another thing unique to the Olympic Games is the Olympic Village. They provide accommodation for all of the athletes and the village is where the athletes live during the Games. This year, because of COVID, in the rooms, the bed stands are actually made from cardboard. This is so that they can dispose of the furniture at the end of the game, but it was also reported that the cardboard beds are to deter athletes from sharing their beds with one another. An Irish athlete, however, posted a video on his social media, jumping up and down, proving that the cardboard was indeed sturdy. So, I don't know, I'll I'll leave that storyline there. Another story that caught my attention was the actual creating of the medals themselves. The medals this year, bronze, gold and silver, are all made from 100% recycled electronics. The Olympics announced its intention to use recycled materials for the creation of their medals many years ago, and part of the medals that were awarded in Rio were made from some recycled materials. However, this summer's games, the medals are 100% made from recycled electronics, like Cell phones and laptops, gaming consoles, any personal device that you can think of that contains a bit of metal material very well may be in one of the medals that you see dangling from the athlete's neck. So when you see them get all teary listening to their national anthem, you can think, hey, there's a bit of a Samsung dangling on that guy's neck. And now to the games themselves. Only a couple days in now, and there's so much that's already happened in Tokyo. And one of the sports that made their Olympic debut was skateboarding. The men's and women's street style competition was held, and Japan skated away with both gold medals. The first for Yuto Horigome, who took care of the competition on the men's side, and then for the women it was thirteen year old Momiji Nishaya. I watched almost all of the action from the men's and a lot of the women's too, and I so enjoyed watching the skateboarding. I'm no I'm really crap at skateboarding myself. I I kinda preferred the longboard it, but I didn't really grow up skating even though Los Angeles and Southern California is kind of the home of skateboarding. But I did want to be in front of the TV when the sport made its Olympic debut and it was indeed a really special moment. The evolution that skateboard has taken in the last 20 years from fringe culture to mainstream is kind of extraordinary. And while skateboarding has gone worldwide, the Olympic stage has such world exposure and gives validity to the sport. I couldn't help but think that here I am watching the first Olympic skateboarding event and hopefully 15 Olympics from now there's a legacy to this sport and it would be like it's always belonged. The Olympics will give skateboarding life in so many countries now and with that I think it gives the credibility to the sport and hopefully will change the way that most countries think of skateboarding as some sort of subculture to the sport that it truly is. Maybe I have a bit of a warped perspective on skateboarding because living in Los Angeles it's almost impossible to go a day without seeing a skateboarder or a skate park and I hope that this Olympic Games will encourage other countries and allow those individuals who are drawn to skateboarding to allow them the opportunity to do that with space for skate parks and skaters to be able to practice their craft. There were fabulous skateboarders from all over the world that competed in this debut of the games from France to Brazil to the United States of America, of course, Niger Houston, a huge skateboarding star, but it was Jagger Eaton, the 20-year-old from Mesa, Arizona, who got the bronze medal in skateboarding for the United States. Karate is also making its Olympic debut this Games, as well as sport climbing, I encourage you to check this out I think it's going to be awesome multiple events held in the discipline individual climbing as well as raced wall climbs the event is set to debut on August 3rd in Tokyo sport climbing I think is going to be awesome also making its debut in the games is surfing and I guess in a way being from Southern California I guess Southern California is kind of also the home to surfing the action has been amazing already this year and similarly with skateboarding In Los Angeles, you don't have to go looking too hard to find surfers. But to see Olympic level skill in these disciplines as a sports fan is just such a pleasure to watch. And I think it happened around 2 a.m., 3 a.m. this morning. But Carissa Moore, the surfer from Hawaii, won the gold medal in women's shortboard surfing. She is the first to medal at an Olympic Games in the sport of surfing. I encourage you to check out some of the surfing action it'll be going on throughout the two weeks of the games a lot of it is dependent on weather so scheduling is kind of iffy as to find out when but if you see a bit of surfing going on on one of the live streams or on the main channel tune in and watch i think it's just amazing to watch these athletes go at it and while the sport of basketball isn't making its debut the three-on-three format a new style of the game is only one hoop And a 12 second shot clock in this street style, fast paced version of basketball has been so fun to watch. And the US women have been dominating. Unfortunately, there isn't a US men's team, they didn't qualify for the Olympics. But watching these three on three games, the pace of it and the electricity of it, it's an awesome format for the game and continues to propel basketball. If you think about what the Olympics has done on the world stage for basketball. I mean, the 1992 Dream Team brought basketball to the entire world. And for years, Team USA played young collegiate athletes at the Olympics and ranged in their success. And this used to be true for most Olympic sports. A lot of professionals wouldn't compete. It would be amateurs or college students or young students. But then when FIBA announced that professionals would be allowed to participate in international tournaments, in 1992, the dream team was born. And I don't think I need to tell you who was on this team, but magic, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, Karl Malone, legends of the game brought the very best of basketball to the screens of the world and to the Olympic stage. Of course, they won gold that year. And America has dominated in years past. International growth has exploded. And I'd like to think that talent always shines through and they would have made it anyways. But when I think of the stars of the NBA today, Greece's Giannis Antetokounmpo, who won his first NBA championship. Luka Doncic, who is competing in these games for Slovenia. He actually had a record night the other night, just dropping 46 points in his Olympic debut. Basketball truly has become an international sport, and the talent on the court is displaying itself. And the men's basketball team in this Olympics suffered a real shock loss to France just a few nights ago. There's this expectation for US domination when it comes to Olympic basketball, but it seems as though... The rest of the world may have caught up. And that might not be a bad thing. I really believe in the talent of the US team. Some incredible stars on there. Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, just to name a few. And I think that they're going to go on to be successful in this tournament. But how successful? They're going to have to play the games. They're not shoe-ins to be gold medalists in basketball anymore. And to some of the notable medals from the Olympics so far. Two countries achieved their first ever gold medal In their country's history, Fora Duffy won Bermuda's first ever gold in the women's triathlon, and the Philippines earned its first gold in nearly 100 years of competing in the Olympics. The first delegation from the Philippines was sent to the Games in 1924, and it isn't until the 2020 Olympics that they win their first gold in female weightlifting. Hidlin Diaz with the honour for the Philippines. And in true American-Brit fashion, I can't help but talk about some of the success of Team GB. We've already won quite a few medals, Great Britain, in this tournament. But one of the biggest stars of Team Great Britain is diver Tom Daley. Tom debuted in the 2012 Olympics in London. He was going to retire after the Rio Games in 2016, where he was expected to win a gold, but he just came short of that goal. And instead of retiring... He committed and stayed focused on winning a gold and his dream became a reality. Gold in synchronized diving for Tom Daly and Great Britain. Team GB swimmers Tom Dean and Duncan Scott took home the gold and silver in the 200 meter freestyle. And of course, one of the titans of the sport, Adam Peaty, inevitably won his second gold in the backstroke, considered the greatest backstroker in Olympic history. And another little tidbit from watching the Olympics, I was falling asleep watching the coverage of the swimming, when all of a sudden, I uh, heard Dan Hicks say, and now getting into the pool, Australia's biggest hopes for this Olympic Games, Kaylee McEwen is, set to... and I went, what, sorry, <laughs> excuse me, can you say that again, Kaylee McEwen of Australia, she spells her last name exactly like I do. And I imagine that we very well might be related in some way. She might be a distant cousin of some sort. So, all in for Team Australia and Kaylee McEwen. She won gold in the women's one hundred meter backstroke in swimming. And unfortunately, she got caught on television dropping an f bomb during an interview and kind of put her hand to her face. So, I don't know. I've never sworn on this podcast, and I hope I won't let one slip out, but. Come on, Kaylee. There you go. Good to see the McEwen name proudly shining across the pool. She set the Olympic record for backstroke. And it's interesting because I'm actually not very good at the backstroke, so it doesn't necessarily run in the family. Katie Ledecky, the US swimmer, legendary swimmer, competes tonight in a couple of final events. That'll be exciting to see if Ledecky can continue her dominance in the pool for the US women And Andy Murray, unfortunately, this is breaking news as well. Andy Murray has had to drop out of the Olympics with injury as well. So that's a big blow for Team GB. He was competing in the men's doubles and singles. I'm going to continue to be right on top of all of the Olympic coverage. And in next week's episode, I'm going to bring you even more Olympics coverage. I'm hoping to have a few guests on and we can kind of talk about what our Olympic experience has been following the Games there is so much amazing sport going on during the summer it's my absolute favorite time to watch sport and to have the olympics on again is just magic and so i thoroughly encourage you to watch some of the coverage watch some of the primetime coverage on NBC, and listen here on the all american brit podcast for future episodes about the olympics coming soon for the all american brit podcast on the believe podcasting network i'm your host johnny McEwen, and until next time